This is Adam Gorney, Rivals.com, here with the Respect My Decision podcast with this week's guest, Yogi Roth, who is the many things, but also the author of Five Star Quarterback. It's right here. It's uh, about 600 pages. It's like the war and peace for quarterbacks, right? It's like <laughs> you, you have to go through this to uh, to really understand it. And really what the book is, and you could talk about it more, is it's it's more of a collection of thoughts from many of the best and brightest quarterbacks of the last really like 20 years. So just kind of break down how you kind of got into this, thinking about it, and, and then getting through to writing. Yeah, well, number one, Adam, thanks for having me on. I love the title of your show. It's brilliant, right? Respect my decision. Uh, mad respect everybody's decision. Uh, and respect <laughs> your your willingness to change decisions, right? It happens all the time. I think yeah. the biggest thing for us was that I kept in in my time with Elite 11, and Joey Roberts is the co-author of this. Uh, we both are deeply involved with Elite 11. I've been in this game for over 20 years now, like yourself. And I've found that as young men make decisions along with their families, whether it was when I was in college in the year 2000 or this last Elite 11 class, they're asking the same questions. They're coming up with similar struggles. And now it's just getting compounded by other people setting expectations, NIL, like all the things that we know yeah. to be college recruiting right now. So three years ago, Joey and I sat down after Elite 11 at a coffee shop and said, dude, we've got we've to be able to provide answers. And it can't just be us on the phone with these families all the time or the Elite 11 staff and Brian Stumpf and Trent Dilfer and all of our guys. You, you just can't talk that much, right? So we said, all right, let's create something that can serve as a tribe of mentors for walk-on to five-star and their families. Okay, that was point one. Point two is how can we make it entertaining so the football fan can actually get to know these human beings, let alone what they coin as bus. So we said, let's, yeah. let's interview every five-star quarterback we can. So we found the 134 of them, uh, and we went out and set out to interview everyone that we could. We got over 50, and we asked them all the same 22 questions. And when we netted out with the answers, it was fascinating to hear Josh Rosen give an answer and Ryan Perilu give an answer and Caleb Williams give an answer you know, three different generations when you're looking at recruiting, uh, yeah. but all huge recruits. And it was really, it was just beautiful to hear them say what they wanted to say as they answered it in their own words. The only things we changed were, you know, some grammar mistakes. And then as we finished that step one, we said, hey, there's another step. Let's see if we can ask the people we respect the most in coaching and in football to offer their advice. So from Pete Carroll to David Shaw to Chip Kelly to Dan Lanning to Ryan Day to Brenda Tracy to the Holinsky family, to Dr. Michael Gervais in sports psychology, uh, to John Schneider as a GM in the league. Like we wanted to just pour in to the 600 odd pages, as you referenced, something where if you opened it up, you could be like, yep, I need advice now on taking a visit. I need advice now on NIL. I need advice on transferring once, up oh, transferring twice. I need advice now on identity. And I think that that's what this book is. It's, it's a tribe of mentors for anybody going through recruiting on the front end or the back end of their football journey. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. It was definitely interesting to read all the way through. First question, why are is quarterbacks so hard to evaluate? And like you see a defensive end, you probably know he's going to be a pretty elite player, but there's so much that goes into that position. And it's not, you know, there are 32 NFL starting quarterbacks. They don't have the best 32 arms in the world. You know, it's like, what is it? It, it, it seems it's like almost more mental anticipation kind of study than it is just physical ability, you know? Yeah. Well, man, there's, I mean, that's why you have a podcast. There's so many ways to go on this. Yeah. I net out, I always think of a guy uh, named Jake Rodriguez, 
who's in the book. Jake Rodriguez, we called him Baby Sanchez in recruiting because he reminded me of Mark Sanchez, a guy I coached at SC. Dude could just deal. Out of Northern California, ended up going to Oregon, uh, never really played. And this was like at the height of Oregon back in the day, uh, right when kind of Mark Helfrich took over there. He was, I think, his first quarterback he signed. And then it was Morgan Mahal. Like, it was some big names. He ends up transferring to San Diego State, never has the career that he's thought to have as a huge recruit, one of the best guys in America. And I, I say that name because I'm reminded of fit yeah. every time I see a quarterback transfer or every time I see a quarterback maybe not play. And, and I think that's a huge part of it. I think that now we've, we've, got, a, we've got an abundance of guys who can pass, who can play catch. Very few can play quarterback. And by that, I mean, like, can you do all the things necessary to thrive on a Sunday? Decent amount can thrive on a Saturday, right? Yeah. But, but how many of even among those Saturday quarterbacks do we say, like, are elite? Not as many as one probably thinks when you see that pool coming out of high school, right? This weekend's a great example. I'm calling UCLA and South Alabama, which might not get you excited. But then you think about Dorian Thompson Robinson, fifth year. Then you think about Carter Bradley, Gus Bradley's son, one-time start at Toledo, a big-time recruit out of high school, couldn't really find a home because of the way his senior year went. And now he's starting, and I just talked to Major Applewhite, his OC, yesterday, and he's like, I think he's got all the tools to play in the league. Fit, yeah, style, like there's just so much that goes into that. So I'd say those two things, and then really it comes down to like, uh, I always tell this to guys, like how much do you love it? Yeah. And you don't have to be a psychopath. You, you need to have a life outside of it. But are you willing to truly be a seeker around all the things necessary to continue to give yourself a chance to play at the highest of levels? And that, when guys look in the mirror, that's a that's a truth session that a lot of them have to deal with. Yeah. And I think at the high school level, guys rely so much on their physical ability. Of course. And, yeah. and they don't have to study. And they don't. And they feel like wherever they go, they're going to excel. Um, you know, I think wherever Bryce Young went, he was going to excel, but there are so many, there, there aren't many Bryce Youngs out there, you know, like yeah. you do wonder CJ Stroud probably found the perfect fit for him. You know, if he ended up somewhere else, does he have the success that he had? There are definitely names that we can go down the list of guys that didn't find fit. And a lot of this book is how do you find the right fit? What is it that you're looking for? First of all, and second of all, how, how does that come about? You know, like, is it visits? Uh, uh, there's a chapter on there about what did you look for on your visits? Who, do, who hosted you? All of those kinds of things. And there are going to be coaching changes and there are going to be coordinator changes, but th there's a lot more to fit than just that stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, number one, I just say thanks for reading the book. Right. Cause I think like the cover is appealing. There's a couple one liners that are exciting, but until you really read it, like, I don't think you really get to see, like, there's a there's a lot in here. Yeah, right? there's a lot in in here in terms of how guys experience college football, how they managed their entire environment. And, and as I kind of get back, got back to 10, 20,000 feet on the book, Joe and I both looked at each other and said, you know, this is really a book about mindset and not like yeah. mental training or high performance psychology, but mindset of like, what do I want on my visit? And if I don't know, that's okay. But after one, I better figure it out. I better digest sure. it, right? Because it's so easy now. And I think it was easy 15 years ago to go on a visit, be impressed and be like, I'm committing, right? It's even easier now because everything's so amazing. 
Like no yeah. visit sucks. Like you could be in a chopper in one place. I mean, it's amazing all, all the tools that people have. So I, I often say, like, what's your mindset going in? You know, there's a there's a powerful chapter in the book. One of my favorite chapters. Well, our advice is that if the coach is presenting you NIL, uh, depth chart, and NFL and academics in that order, you should leave. And if and I tell this yeah. to coaches now, if you're not front loading mental skills before any of that stuff, you're doing a disservice because in three years, when Ryan Burns gets beat out at Stanford, as he eloquently wrote he didn't know where he was going to go with the next day weeks of his life. And thankfully to Vita Pritchard and David Shaw said, you're going to go right down the hall to a mental skills expert. And yeah. he said that that saved him. Right. And I don't want to define what saved means, but those were his words. Right. So I, I say like, where are you going and what is your mindset going in? What is the plan? And, and that's why I think this book is so good for parents yeah. to read on their own, to read alongside, just to have the dialogue of like, dude, what do we want? And it's okay to just want NIL or just want to start. Or maybe you care about your the, the degree, like whatever it is, but have a plan. And, and I think that's what this book does. It's a nudge to like, what, what do I want in a coach? Again, if I love, if I'm an absolutely obsessed with my offensive coordinator, am I even aware enough that if we're good, he's out? Yeah. So who's the GA coaching quarterbacks? Who's the receiver coach? Like, does the coach want to hire from within? Like all of those things that you never think about on an, a junior day. Right. And especially this book is valuable for parents of quarterbacks, because I think most quarterback dads think that their quarterback son is the best one to ever live is the next Tom Brady. And you can be very successful in life and in football without being the next Tom Brady, you know, all of those kinds of things. And, and he needs to go in there and start from day one. And I think that is a, a dramatic mistake that a lot of people do make. Um, not, not being patient enough to wait to learn the system, you know, and do those kinds of things. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about the book is throughout it, you have, um, you call them ambassadors of the game, um, coaches, people involved in, in the profession, give their advice about it. And I thought Ryan Days was particularly interesting because a lot of the stuff he talks about is not we, when we're, you know, looking for what we look for in quarterbacks is not just arm strength. It's not just accuracy. It's, how do you respond to criticism and mistakes and those kinds of things? And I think those things, especially from someone like Ryan Day, is super, super important. And also Chip Kelly saying that uh, blame and praise are the same, I think, is, is, is a phenomenal way to think about the, the position. Best line in the book. Well, definitely one of my favorites is from Coach Kelly. Yeah. Praise and blame are all the same. Praise and blame are all the same. And the, where that began, both he and Ryan Day – I was at the spring coaches meetings in Scottsdale and it's a really cool environment where, you know, most, you know, I think three of the power five leagues show up there for coaches meetings, official meetings, et cetera, in, in multiple sports. And I always go down and present on behalf of the Pac-12 networks, um, content, storytelling, et cetera. And the best time is, as you know, man, like is not necessarily the event, but it's the afterglow of the event. Sure. So here we are at a dinner one night and there just aren't any seats. So I just kind of wander over and say, Coach, hey, can I mind if I sit next to you? So me and a colleague, Jim Thornby, we sit down. It's Coach Kelly and myself. And then all of a sudden it's um, Tom Rinaldi. And then it's Joel Klatt. And then it's Leinert. And then it's Ryan Day. And then it's um, Brock Heward. And it's kind of just a really cool evening. And yeah. we're up all night talking about the game, talking about recruiting, talk everything. It was, it was a really cool session. And I came out of there and I was like, 
you know, I've known Coach Kelly for a long time. I consider him um, a friend. I hadn't met Ryan Day other than at the Rose Bowl years ago when he was um, just coordinator at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And hearing them talk about the game, it struck me so much so that I woke up the next day. I said, you know, we got to get these guys in the book. And, and that was really where we were kind of just getting going on the ambassador outreach. And I called Coach Kelly and I said, look, I don't know if you've ever written anything before. I know you don't have a book. People have books out about you. But would you be willing to contribute to the profession? And he didn't even let me finish the sentence. He goes, yep, I got it. I got to give back to the game. Because that's yeah. what we talked about in that evening. Ryan Day, Joey's known uh, Ryan for a long time. He hit up Ryan a couple days later without flinching. Ryan Day wrote it and got it back to us. And I just say that because you know we look at these coaches and you know in their respective community, whether it's Westwood or Columbus or wherever, like – they're all put on this pedestal and really when you get around them, they want to give back to the game and they care about the craft. They care about the future of the game. They care about the, the young men that are developing. And that's what I love, whether it was David Shaw or chip or Justin Wilcox, like there's a lot of thoughtful insight, sure. Jed fish, like her was and, and I, the coaches all hit me up after was like, Hey, how, like, what do you think? Like it was great dialogue because they took it seriously. Yeah. And, and yeah. I love that because I could have just interviewed them all and taken a couple of quotes and that could have been flashy and you could sell the book with their names. But we wanted it to have depth. And that's what I think their advice does, because they've lived it way more than you and I have in terms of when the kids get to campus and identity yeah. is identity is challenged based on reality in the building versus external reality on social media around your friends and family. And man, that's 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 wisdom that I think is going to live. I think this book's got like a 10 year shelf life, if not longer around helping individuals go through their own process. Yeah. And, and, and in those settings, you forget, you know, what we do for a living. They're just guys too. They're just football guys yeah. that want to talk and shoot it a little bit and, and, and just be people sometimes. And that that's really refreshing. I do want you to tell your Spencer Rattler Starbucks story because oh. that really was sort of like the impetus to NIL and, you know, 10 years ago, you see that and you're like, ooh, this is a little shady. And now now it's almost like encouraged that this is happening. First, tell the story real quick and then your thoughts on NIL and how it affects quarterbacks. Obviously, there's a positive aspect, but it could like really influence them in maybe some concerning ways, too. Oh, man. OK, so uh, yeah. it's July 1, 2021, and NIL is officially legal. Pac-12 has a brand new commissioner that day, George Klyovkov, his first day on the job. And we're at the final day of Elite 11 in Redondo Beach. And I walk downstairs like I had for the previous three mornings. And I walk into Starbucks and I look to the back and I see Spencer Rattler with a high profile agent. And my heart kind of drops. Now, I've been at Elite 11. This is year 16. So that would have been 14 years or 15 years ago. Yeah. I, or I, I'd seen 15 years of Elite 11 up to that point. And I've seen a lot of agents coming around practice, hanging around the camp, like hanging out in the parking lot, like street agents, like kind of seeing that thing. And I'm not hating on it. I get the game. Uh, but if I ever saw a high profile counselor, whether it was Matt Barkley, Mark Sanchez, Spencer Rattler, Tua, Jalen, like, you know, all the guys come back. Uh, I would have went over there and politely been like, hey, it's not the right environment. I would have given the quarterback a look to be like, hey, you cool? Well, I gave him a look. Like to see if you're cool. And he goes, yeah, yo, come here. And, the, and I've known the agent for a while. And the agent, hey, how you doing? So and so good to see you again. Yeah. And it just dawned on me in that moment, like, holy, you know what? There's not a parent in sight 
There's not a coach in sight. There's not an administrator in sight. It's Starbucks. And the Spencer Rattler merch webpage just launched. Because it's July yep. one. And I'm sure they were talking about that and other marketing opportunities for him. And it just hit me like, oh, wow. Okay. Welcome to the new world. Yeah. Don't be the get off my lawn guy. Embrace it. But man, I've always embraced NIL. I did not think I would walk into a Starbucks at Elite 11 and see agents making deals with, right. at the time, a Heisman candidate and a presumptuous top quarterback pick. Right. So with that said, to answer your question, I am a dramatic supporter of NIL. Yeah. I've said that from day one. I, I love the idea that a player can make money off his name, image, and likeness, off of a camp, off of a T-shirt, off of signed uh, apparel, whatever, pictures. I, I saw it with Reggie and Matt at SC where people were begging them to sign stuff after practice yeah. and paying off mortgages with probably that gear or those images or whatever it was. So I, I support it. This is where I think it's worthy of a dialogue. And we say this in the book. If I am a sixth grader and I've been on the receiving end of the parents of sixth graders or an eighth grader or a 10th grader, they've all said to me, Yogi, my kid has it. We're going to eliminate two other sports. We're going to throw down here. I think he's got all the tools. And I say, okay, cool. I wish you luck. Uh, I don't think it's beneficial to your son. Let's let him develop. Let's let him be multi-sport athlete. Let's not kill the joy. I call it the wonder switch, the wonder mint in the book. Yeah. And they may or may not take me up on that advice. The next thing that happens is that those parents and those quarterbacks begin to do what anybody at Open Doors or um, any of the NIL partners would say. They, they say, grow your social. So now this young athlete who's kicking butt, who everybody loves is growing his social, growing his social, put energy behind that, whether that's paid ads, whatever state you in, I get that there's different laws, but you're growing your social media and you're putting attention to that. Well, because of that, you have an opportunity to make money, which is amazing. But because of that, you have the opportunity to deal with what we know to be reality, which is yeah. in your DMs, whether it's death threats, whether it's yeah. hateful messaging, whatever it is, it's impacting your psyche. So I think that we're living and we're, we're driving down this freeway and on one lane going in the same direction as I'm making all this money in NIL because I haven't thrown a pick. And on the other lane in the same direction is, hey, hit the gas even farther and let's turn like a little fender bender into a massive accident. But our socials are growing. Our numbers yeah. are growing and the opportunity is there. And I think that's a really challenging place for a parent to be or an athlete to be because you might not be. 6'3", and your arm just might be okay, but man, you can make a lot of money in NIL. You might not have started a game in college, but you live in the state of California. You can make money in NIL. I understand yeah. that, but I do think we need to be aware of the dark side of that. And once we are, are we offering these athletes tools to manage it? So my final statement on that is I was with an athlete who caught a ton of heat for NIL deals. And when I asked him, how are you managing it? He looked me dead in the eye and said, I'm going to turn off my phone for a week. Yeah. And I looked him straight back in the eye and I said, okay, that's a step, but that's not a tool. Yeah. And it was like I was speaking another language. I said, we have to help you develop skills and tools just like we do on your footwork, in film study, in academics. We have to be there to help you manage this, not cope and deal with it, manage it and move through it. And that's where NIL frankly doesn't give a shit. Yeah. You know, it doesn't because it's like, hey, it's a transactional relationship. It's not a transformational right. relationship. So that's why in the chapter in the book, we give the example of be transformational in what it is that you want to associate with. 
So when you grow your social and you do it to make a great deal with a business, that business is teaching you how to run one. Or they're offering you up tools social media wise to deal with online harassment, bullying, or like Brad Kaya did, have one of your buddies or hire someone to manage that, exactly. even at 16, so you don't have to. Those are the things that aren't getting any play in the dialogue around NIL. And you, and you don't know the depths of the hatred, Yogi. You're a young, fit, good-looking man. I mean, look at me. I mean, they have. I am a target for the for the Twitter hatred. I mean, it's just so easy to. There's so much to attack. You know, it's. <laughs> I disagree, bro. Look, I, you you get your fair share, and I think as a broadcaster, what I always love is if, I don't do it often, but if I ever went into my mentions post game. Oof. All the bad ones are for the team that lost and all the good ones are by the team that won. And I'm here for <laughs> all of that. Uh, and I think once you have kids, you care less about those things. So that's Absolutely. a benefit of being yeah. in our forties, right? <laughs> What's my wife going to do at this point? You know? Yeah. I mean, really. yeah she's in. Uh, last question, Yogi, Arch Manning. He's obviously such a huge topic of conversation. And there, I, I honestly do feel like there are a lot of people, you know, especially fans that do want to see him fail, that do want to see him not be great. You know, and then I think there's also a, a heavy contingent, especially at Texas, that think he is, you know, the next coming of Eli and Peyton and, and, and his grandfather and all those kinds of things. He probably settles somewhere in the middle, you know, and and is a very talented quarterback. Do you wish that he did the Elite 11, the national camps? Does it even matter at to, does it even matter at that point or or does his little, you know, his bubble of his life in New Orleans Will it translate with all of the benefits he has through his family? It's it's really a question that I do wonder about. We have him ranked number one in the country. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he's the. I, I don't know if he projects as the number one player in the NFL in five years. It's hard to know because you don't get that apples to apples comparison like you do when you see Dante Moore and Malachi Nelson and those guys show up and compete at that level. Yeah, what an interesting conversation. Um... You know, the premise of the book is based on the definition that I found from every recruiting service, which was, what is a five-star player? Yeah. And it's some version of a franchise player can yeah. change a franchise. Matthew Stafford's the only quarterback who's been a five-star quarterback who won a Super Bowl as a starter. Yeah. You know, like, so if we just start there, it's hard. Sure. It's just hard. You know, as I look at the numbers here to my to my right, I always have them up when I'm doing interviews because out of all the quarterbacks, 134 that were ranked five star prior to this year's class, only 10 were drafted in the top 10. Yeah. And it's Vince Young, Matthew Stafford, Mark Sanchez, Cam Newton, Blaine Gabbert, Jameis Winston, Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen, Tua and Trevor Lawrence. All those guys had a unique trait, like sure. a freaky unique trait. Everybody else was really good. So to answer your, to answer your question, I, I don't know where Arch exists on that scope. Sure. I think when I heard the broadcast of the Texas game against Alabama, and, and I love those guys that were calling it, but when they referenced he is the highest recruit in the history of football recruiting in the last decade or so, and I think, I think the line was like, and I think he's living up to it. I was like, bros played six quarters. Like, you know, and now, now I get your job and, and, sure. and your colleagues' jobs and, and what we do at Elite 11. And we elevate dudes, too. CJ Stroud blew up at Elite 11. He won the MVP yeah. over Bryce Young. Like, very aware of the game that is rankings. Um, I say that to say, like, yeah, I would have loved him to come to Elite 11. Yeah. I would have loved it because what we pride ourselves on most is beyond the X's and O's. What 
we pride ourselves most on is, you know, look at the cover of the book. Every guy that we called didn't flinch and said, yeah, let me give back to the game. Like it's a great community because they also give back to each other. Like yeah. what we pride most is the developmental training on manhood and also the, the willingness to walk into a room and for the first time for most of these guys, let their guard down. Yeah. Right. Right. Like I remember talking to Quinn who he was like, yo, I never asked to go viral at Steve Clarkson's camp. It just happened. He's, he was, he, he's still not even a big social media guy, right. right. But his, his portrayal became that because of a sidearm throw when he's jogging through a drill. Right. right. So yeah, I wish he came, I wish he came, uh, for, for him and for us, right. To be able to pour into him and then get to know him. Uh, but the fact that he didn't come, like, I don't look at him and be like, he didn't want to compete. I mean, I don't know him. Right. I don't know the intricacies behind it. I will say this is, and, and I believe in this phrase so much, uh, the wonder switch in the book. It's about the wonderment around the game. Yeah. Do you, can you compete to still find joy playing? And most high school elite recruits, I don't, I don't know him. So I don't want to say, put him in this bucket, but I will. Because most quarterbacks say this, that at some point in recruiting, it just feels like a business, yeah. right? Other than when you play. And then when you get to college, especially for him, all eyes will be on him. How can you tap back into the wonderment and that imagination of when you were a kid and you walked into a stadium and you said, oh, right. one day I could play at Texas or Ole Miss or Tennessee. I'm assuming he's been to all three of those stadiums countless times. Like That is where, if I was his coach, and I know Sark will do it, Tap into that, tap into that, tap into that. Because once that's gone and it happens for everybody, it'll happen to him at some point in his career. It's hard because you don't even realize that it's gone. Yeah. You know, you, you don't even realize. And it happens to guys at Toledo, like Gus Bradley's son, um, Carter, who I, I talked to yesterday about this. Like he lost his joy and he went through a, his own mental health struggles. And it happened with Liner. After we beat Notre Dame in the Bush push, he walked into the yeah. office. He's talked about it many times of like, is getting to me. So it, they're going to have that, right? Like Arch will have that moment. Um, it's just going to be, do you have the tools? Again, I go back to front loading the ability to deal with it. I'm sure he's got every tool he could dream of. Um, sure. I do think Elite 11 offers you some away from your bubble, but I don't want to be the guy criticizing him for not coming because I don't know him. And I'm sure of he did those reasons. Uh, we'd love to have him come one day, even as a counselor. We've had guys come back and be like, whoa that sports psychologist was power or hey that session even on like i do a media training session like wow like i never really realized that i'm letting other people define me in my story because that's what's happened with him for the most part yeah right you know, so yeah man i wish he came uh, i hope he comes at some point and, and i hope he kills it um and i also hope he redshirts and you know, help all these guys take a break you know right. i'll say let, let me tell you my last story because it's important it's about josh rosen a guy who i think is massively misconstrued uh yeah when he got injured in his second year, second or third year at UCLA, so you know, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I got to pause and exhale yeah. for the first time since I was yeah. really ever. Because at 14, he was the number one kid in America along with Ricky Town. So I, I think like taking a break, like I think it's good that Quinn is playing at the level that we anticipate once he comes back and he's healthy. And then Arch, come, come sit, learn, thrive, and crush it when you play. Yeah, definitely. Again, that is Yogi Roth, the author of – let me get my weight – There it is. Get workout in. There it is. Five-star quarterback, baby. I'm also a Pennsylvania guy. I'm a Northeast Pennsylvania guy. So, uh, oh, where? We that in common too. Yeah, I, I, I grew up just south of Wilkes-Barre. Dude, what town? 
Uh, Nanny Coke. It's like a small town of like a thousand people. Dude, what high school? I went to Nanny Coke High School. Yeah, yeah dude, I went to Lackawanna Trail, right north of Scranton. So I, there my you dad go, man. worked in Wilkes-Barre. Do I every Saturday? I drive to work with him. Yeah, awesome, man, awesome. Again, thank you for joining me, Yogi Roth. This is the Respect My Decision podcast.